Today's daf is Lamed Aleph in Masechet Betza. We are at the very top of the Amud, Lamed Aleph, Amud Aleph, at the new Mishnah, Mifi'in Etzim, Mina Sadeh, Mina Mechunas, Mina Mekarpef, Vafilo Mina Mifuzar. We can bring wood, <coughs> we're talking about bringing wood in, in order to use it for uh, firewood on the Yom Tov, one may do that from the field if it's already gathered together before, and from an enclosure, even if it wasn't gathered together. The idea is it has to be, we're, we're dealing with the problem here of muktzeh, of the items being designated for Yom Tov use. So if they are out in the field, the only way we can tell that they are designated is because they were gathered together. And if they're in an enclosure, then even if they're not gathered together, but they're strewn about, we still assume that they are something that we intend to use. What is considered the kapef? Such an enclosure, it's like a large park or something like that. Um, any place that is right next to the city, if it's right next to the inhabited area, literally, she says, mamash, that's considered kapef. Rabbi Yossi says, any place that you enter with a key, even if it is at the end, as Rashi explains, it's the, at the end of the Tchum Shabbat, meaning even if it is uh, 2,000 amot, uh, or just at the edge of the, of the limit of the Tchum Shabbat of 2,000 amot outside the city, if you enter it with a key, then uh, it's considered to be a karpef. In other words, it's considered to be a place that you had in mind that was, uh, for whatever was in it was going to be for your use. Uh, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it has to be right next to the city, uh, and... Uh, being far away would uh, would show that it wasn't something within your uh, mental framework for use on Yom Tov. Now the Gemara says, Amar Amar Shmuel, This disagrees with our Mishnah because our Mishnah said that you could have one or the other, either uh, wood that was gathered together but out in the field or wood that was strewn around but it was in the enclosure. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the name of Shmuel, no, it has to have two positives. It has to be gathered together and in an enclosure. Didn't we learn that if it's in an enclosure, it doesn't have to be gathered together. It could even be strewn about. Our Mishnah is following an individual opinion. That according to Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar's uh, rendering of the machloket between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel, they agreed that you can't take wood that is strewn around in a field on Yom Tov, because it's muktzeh, it wasn't designated for use. And they also agree that if something is gathered together in an enclosure, that you're allowed to take it. What was the machloket? That if something is in an enclosure, but it's strewn around, or if something is in the field, but it is gathered together, that Beit Shammai says you can't bring it in, Beit Hillel says you can. In other words, this, our Mishnah reflects Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar's opinion about what Beit Hillel's opinion is. But everyone else says no. Actually, according to Beit Hillel, actually, according to the Halakha, you need both qualifications. It needs to be in a an enclosure and also gathered together. The Gemara goes on. Uh, the leaves of reeds and of vines. Even if you gather them together, they're all in one place. Still, since if wind would, were to come, it will, it will strew them around, it will throw them around, because they're very light. So, they're considered to be spread out already. 
because there's nothing stable about the way that they're gathered together. The wind can easily blow them. They're very light. But if you put some kind of, an, uh, uh, of a vessel on them to weigh them down, so then they're considered to be gathered together. In other words, all this, this requirement that they have to be gathered together and also in an enclosure, you know, if it's something which is so light that even if it's gathered together, it can be blown around by a wind, so then you have to put something on it as a weight to hold it down. Ezekiel what was considered to be an enclosure. Yvailu, they asked a question. We saw in the in Mishnah, there's a machlok between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi brings in this idea of a key. So the question is, how do we understand this? Is it that Rabbi Yehuda agrees about the key concept. He says you need two things. You need it to be right next to the city, meaning immediately adjacent to the city, as well as that it has a key to it. That shows it's designated for your use. And Rabbi Yossi's chidush is that once you have a key, even if the place, even if the enclosure is to almost 2,000 amot away, it's also considered to be subject to your uh, use on Yom Tov. Oh, Dilma, or maybe it's the other way. Hachikamar, koshes the mukhlair, bendit lepotahat, bendit lepotahat, but there was the memar, filobotok tum shabbat, vedavka de lepotahat, valet lepotahat, filos mukhlair, namilo. In other words, you could learn the machloket that no, it's totally mutually exclusive. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda says, I don't care about the key, I just care about the location of the karpif. If it's right outside the city, then fine. If it's not right outside the city, then it doesn't matter whether you have a key or not, it's not going to help you. According to Rabbi Yossi, no, I only care about the key. Even if the kapif is right adjacent to the city, that's not good enough. If it's far further away, that doesn't matter. All that matters is the key, according to Rabbi So according to the first version, basically the way Rashi uh, explains it, <coughs> the assumption is that most uh, of the kapifot have keys. And so therefore the only question was, is the, is the distance a factor? Do we say that the fact that the uh, that the karpif is further away makes a difference or not? Rabbi Yehuda says yes. Rabbi Yossi says no. According to the second version, it's two totally different tracks. According to Rabbi Yossi, the only issue is the issue of the key. We don't care about the location. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, the only issue is the location. We don't care about the key. There isn't an assumption, according to that, that there is a uh, that most karpifot have keys. According to the second uh, version of the uh, of the breakdown here. So the Gemara says that Tashima mit katani Rabbi Yosi Omer kol shenichnasin lo bebotachad vafilu b'toch tchum Shabbat shemamina Rabbi Yosi tarte lekulaga amar shemamina. From the fact that Rabbi Yosi says any such enclosure that you enter using a key, even if it's within the tchum Shabbat, meaning even if it's somewhat further away from the city, that you you can consider that you relied on that for use on the Yom Tov. Now, where do we get that from? So Rashi explains how, where, how the inference here, the implication is understood. How so? Because Rashi says, in the long Rashi, it says, We can see from the way that Rabbi Yossi words his statement that Rabbi Yehuda did not care about the key. In other words, we're going with the second version of the interpretation. They didn't care about whether there was a key or not. It wasn't that Rabbi Yehuda said key and closeness and Rabbi Yossi said just key. It was that Rabbi Yehuda doesn't care about the key at all. We can therefore conclude that Rabbi Yossi says that what, you have two options. Either the karpif is close or there's a key, but you don't need a key if it's right, ne- if it's right adj- adjacent to the city. Because Rabbi Yossi heard that Rabbi Yehuda said, it doesn't matter about the key. All that matters is that it's adjacent to the city. I'm reading from the Rashi here. Rabbi Yossi says to him, 
Anything which has a key, even if it's within the tchum, meaning it's further away from the city, meaning that if it's close, it doesn't require a key. Because if Rabbi Yossi says that you always have to have a key, no matter what, where the carpet is located, then why did he come and say, even if it's within the Shabbat boundary? He shouldn't have mentioned the distance if the distance wasn't a factor, according to him. He just should have said, any place that you enter with a key is good. That would have implied that the only thing we really care about is the key. We don't care about the distance. Why does it have to then go and say that even if it's within the Tchum Shabbat, meaning even if it's far from the city, right? That the Chidush is that the only reason you need a key is because the Karpif is far away from the city. Right, so the point is that um, that uh, that according to the conclusion of the Gemara, Rabbi Yossi is saying you have two options. If the Karpef is adjacent to the city, that's enough. Then that's considered to be subject to your access on Yom Tov and to your use. And if it's further away, the key will help you. According to Rabbi Yudad, the only factor is the closeness. Only the adjacent one is good. And if it's far away, the key will not help you. Gemara goes on. Rav Salah. The halacha follows, according to Rav Salah, the name of Rabbi Yirmiya, the halacha follows Rabbi Yossi, it, leniently, meaning that if it's far away, you need a key. If it's close by, you don't need a key. We don't cut wood from boards, and not from a board that broke on Yom Tov. And we don't use any of these instruments, not a kardom, not a megira, not a magal, not a kofitz. These are all different uh types of instruments for cutting. Well, she says uh, that uh, the, these are professional instruments that are used. And as the Gemara is going to discuss some of the, um, some of the details of some of these items, the, uh, the Megirah is like a saw, the Kardom is like a type of a, uh, a knife, the Magal is a sickle, the Kofitz is again a type of a cleaver that is often used by um, by butchers, as we're going to see, they have different qualities that factor in to the permissibility uh, or pr- prohibition of using them. Now the Gemara says, The opening of the Mishnah says you're not allowed to cut wood at all. And then it says, and also not from a broken Korah, but if you can't cut it also, what's the... So then uh, the Gemara says, Rashi explains, If you're saying you're not allowed to chop wood at all because it's just too much of an effort, it has nothing to do with Muktzeh, so then why are you mentioning that and then mentioning uh, a board that breaks on Yom Tov? You don't need to mention it, right? Because we already know that you can't chop wood at all. Right, so the Samar of Yudamar Shmuel Chasuim Chasuah. There's something missing missing from our Mishnah. Vachi katan ein bevakin min savar shel kol. What it meant is you can't take from the the pile of boards that are used, the lumber that's being used for building. Velo min akorash nishbar yom tov. Nor can you take from something that broke on yom tov. Aval bevakin min akorash nishbar erv yom tov. But the implication is that if the board broke on erv yom tov, you could take ukshin bevakin ein bevakin lo bekaradom lo magal lo begera lo bekofitz. And when they do chop, they shouldn't use any of these. Um, any of these professional tools that are used for heavy-duty chopping and that look like a person is engaged in real melacha and not just in chopping something for firewood. That's the, uh, that's the problem. But basically, it's talking about an issue of muktzeh. It's not talking about, um, it's not talking about the, uh, 
that just because it's a lot of effort. The Brayta makes it directly clear. It says that uh, we don't take from the boards that are piled up for lumber, nor do we take from a... Um, a board that broke because of muktzeh, it's not minamuchan, it's not prepared for Yom Tov, it is muktzeh, it's not allowed to be handled on the Yom Tov because it's designated for building. And even if it broke on Yom Tov, it was designated at the beginning of Yom Tov for building, so therefore it was muktzeh. And that muktzeh status persists for the entire Yom Tov. The nakvut means the wide side of the blade. Meaning you cannot use the wide side of the cordon, but you could use the narrow side because it had two sides. The blade had one side was thicker, one side was thinner or narrower. So it says, Pshita, that should be obvious, but kofitz tnan, it says kofitz, that, sh- that a person, uh, that, that, a, that you can have a kofitz, and a kofitz is what? A kofitz is something which is all, Rashi says, kula zachuti, it's all thin. In other words, it's the, uh, it's the short um, a narrower part of it, which is the part that's usually used for chopping the smaller branches, as opposed to the wide part, which is used to cut down a tree, which is, uh, you know, which is a much more uh, profes- professional type of activity, a malacha activity. This is the side that's used for more, uh, the kind of blade that's used for uh, less, in, you know, less uh, malacha-like activity. And so, there, so we see that... Um, the chidush is that, yeah, it says that you could use a kofitz, but the kofitz is, uh, which has only a narrow side. So it says only a narrow side. You might say since it has only narrow blades, that's why you're allowed to use it. But something that has one side that's narrow and one side that's wide, maybe you can't use one side because lest you will use the other side. That's why he's telling you that, no, you can use the narrow side if you have the blade that has wide on one side and narrow on the other side. Use the thinner uh, blade and that's okay. Now there's another possibility. It says, rather, you're allowed to use a kofitz. That was the end of the Mishnah because it says, you're allowed to use a kofitz. So the question is, with this kofitz, we just said before that this kofitz is something that is has a narrow, um, a, a narrow blade on both sides and that was why you were allowed to use it. Um, for sure. And then you're even allowed to use, according to the first version, uh, another kind of blade, as long as one side of the blade is like a kofitz. But now it's going to say, when it said kofitz, it meant only. That if you have a kofitz that actually has a wide blade on one side and a narrow on the other side, you're also only allowed to use the thin side. So it says, Since we see that you're not allowed to use the axe, which basically has a thick side, so obviously you're not allowed to use the thick side of the cleaver either, so of the kofitz either. So it says, No. You might have thought that if you have a cleaver that has on one side a thick side and the other side a thin side, you'd be able to use both since one side is permitted, the other side should be permitted. And therefore it's coming and telling you, no, you're only allowed to use the thin side even of the meat cleaver for chopping. So the point is, according to the first version, we said that if you have something that has two sides to it, um, a wide and a narrow, you're allowed to use the narrow and we're not worried that you're going to come to use the wide. In the second version, we're saying that even something like a kofitz, which clearly is used uh, normally for non-prohibited activities on Yom Tov, you're only allowed to use the narrow side, not the thick side, because it's too similar to an axe. And, uh, and the point is that you might have thought that, um, that uh, if you have a, a something which is 
a half and half, you might think that since you could use the narrow side, you could also use the wide side, since it would be clear. Rashi says, Right? You might have thought that since one side is allowed to be used, the other side also, it's clear that you're not using an axe really. You're really doing permitted things because you're not using this professional tool that's completely with the thick blades that's used for the major kind of undertakings. So you should think it's okay. The answer is no. You could still only use the narrow side of the blade and not the thick side. The Mishnah says, If you have a house or whatever it is, a structure that's full of fruits, and it breaks open, you can take from the place that was open. In other words, even though since it was sealed off and there was no way to get in there because it was in a structure that was sealed off and you would have had to do to open the door to get to it, to break down the wall to get to it, it's not considered muktzeh if it breaks up on its own. Rabbi Meir says you can even break it yourself and take it. Don't worry about having to wait for it to break. You can even break it open and take it. So the question in Gemara says, How could Rabbi Meir say that you can just break open this house that's totally sealed off and take the fruit from inside? That he's talking about a case where what you had built there wasn't an actual structure with cement, with the bricks and the cement. It was just a, it was just bricks that were lined up and, um, and piled up in a certain way around the fruits making it a completely enclosed kind of a house around the fruits, but it wasn't actually cemented together, so it's not really stirah, it's not really destroying to take it apart, and that's why Rebbe Meir says you could do that in order to get to the fruits, because he's saying that Muktzeh is overridden, that Muktzeh touching the, um, the, uh, uh, the uh, bricks is, not, is overridden in order to get to the food, and the Chachamim are saying no, only if it breaks open by itself. Now, any is that true? Amar Rav Nachman, Hane Livnei de Yitur mi Binyana, Sharei letaltulinu b'Shabbata, Oil b'Chazel mezgalay, Shar Genu v'Leyaktinu. That uh, Rav Nachman said that if you have uh, if you have bricks that were left over from some building project, you can move them around on Shabbat since you're able to sit on them and use them. You can also use move them around. But if you piled them up in a certain formation, then they become muktzeh. So how can Rabbi Meir say that you're allowed to take apart the structure to get to the food inside? Amar Rabbi Zerah biyom tov v'lo b'Shabbat. The answer is that he said this on Yom Tov, not on Shabbat, since we have the excuse of Ochel Nefesh. Rashi says, since it's only a, a rabbinical prohibition of Muktzeh, so therefore, for the sake of Yom Tov, you're allowed to do it. In other words, just like we override biblical prohibitions, biblical lachot for Ochel Nefesh, you can also do it here, moving the bricks aside to get to the food that's inside. According to Rabbi Meir, ten years after we similarly learned in a brayter, Rabbi Meir Omer Rav Pochid Chachila Matzav Yom Tov, right? It says Yom Tov Amru Avalob Shabbat. What did Rabbi Meir say? You can take the bricks and move them aside in order to get to the food inside. That's speaking about Yom Tov, but not with regard to Shabbat.